Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running the role-playing game Numenera in a homebrew Numenera campaign that I am calling the Fourth Emperor, the Rise of the Fourth Emperor, or Fourth Emperor Strikes Back, or I don't know, something about the Fourth Emperor. I haven't really given a name. I think it's Rise of the Fourth Emperor. I'll just call it the Fourth Emperor. This show, like all the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to get access to all kinds of exclusive previews, exclusive products like the City of Arches campaign sourcebook, or many, many in unique adventures, many adventures that are that are specifically just a Patreon, video previews, a Discord channel, I can't even think of all the things you get. If you want all that stuff and you want to help me put on shows like this, you can do so by becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you very much. If you want to become a patron, you can patron, you can find in the notes. You can find the link in the show notes below. So let's talk about Fourth Emperor. Last week, my group decided that they were going to... So let me give you a quick quick summary. A very powerful, super powerful otherworldly evil known as the Fourth Emperor is coming to the Earth. This is Earth a billion years in the future. The Fourth Emperor is trying to come to the planet. He was... His, his approach, his drive to come here was foretold by the heralds heralds are giant spheres that are artificial super intelligences really powerful otherworldly artificial super intelligences one of these was a was a herald known as feridon which is floating above a structure known as the temple of feridon our characters found out that the fourth emperor is coming they went to the temple they did a bunch of stuff they have tried to thwart it they actually had a 14 month jump in their timeline when they used a particular cipher that leapt them 14 months into the future that meant that the fourth emperor's agenda had moved forward 14 months while they were kind of in or most of them were in stasis or kind of while they did this time jump the characters have been spending a lot of time jumping back and forth between the real world and the data sphere the data sphere is like a very very super advanced version of like cyberspace so there's a bit a little bit of cyberpunk high future cyberpunk but it's more like tron you can actually fully transmit yourself into the data sphere and, and whatnot the characters had a major made some major progress when they managed to to destroy and take over one of the heralds they took over feridon and they latched up a an entity that they have been traveling with known as tacrin tacrin is kind of like the numenera equivalent of a lich it's a, a chrome skull that was formerly a person but over a thousand years had transformed to be completely technological and they hooked up tacrin to the sphere of the feridon and now tacrin is a herald level artificial superintelligence himself so he's very powerful they also took over a satellite there are six satellites hanging above the planet they each have a railgun able to fire telephone pole sized tungsten rods onto the planet with the power of a nuclear bomb they took over one of those destroyed the parent the, the destroyed the partner satellite so they are the only ones who are able to drop these tungsten rods on one third of the planet's surface they dropped a whole bunch of them like 28 of them and destroyed 28 facilities on the planet that were slowly changing the atmosphere from oxygen to methane they don't yet have any control of the other ones and that's a big question so what about the other two-thirds of the planet how are they going to fix that we don't know yet they then data cast back down from their satellite to the planet and said okay we want to go we we need other things too plus we know that one of our characters samji that his brother is around and we want to go find his brother his brother is named oh what's his brother's name it's right out of my tongue not axis axis is another one not oblique that's another one Oh, I'm terrible. 
Radius. His brother is named Radius. And so they want to go find Radius because Radius is just like Samji. They are both artificial, like they're both like cybernetic people. But they also learned that Radius and Samji are actually two of thousands of potential beings like that, that they might be able to release and conscript to help fight the fourth emperor on the ground because being able to drop telephone pole sized tungsten rods is great but you blow up everything around it it's like a 20 megaton nuclear bomb so that's great and they could use it to destroy other temples and other other heralds the problem is by doing so they'd be killing everybody around there too and there's nice people there Last session, we had a we had a situation where we like we paused for a minute, right? We broke character. I'm a big fan of here's a here's a DM tip. I I'm, I think I made a video about it before. I have an article coming out about it as well, called "Pause for a Minute." Pause for a minute is kind of my version of an X card. It's a way for anybody to be able to stop the game at any minute, break out of character, and talk to the other players about what's going on in the game. And it may be you hit some content in there that you don't want to have. And you're like, I really would rather we don't talk about that. Or I'd rather we skip ahead of, of this kind of stuff, right? So in that case, it's sort of like an X card. But a pause for a minute also enables you to kind of re-baseline the game. It's an opportunity to check in with the players to make sure that what's going on in the game is the direct general direction they want it to go. So it doesn't have to be pure purely a safety tool. It can be used for other things too. And an example was pause for a minute. I don't want to have us blow up a temple where we're going to kill innocent people. Right. I, I don't think I, my character would be into that. And I think it would be a, a bad situation. And we said, OK, we're not going to do it. Right. And so it meant like because I had this funny situation where I was like, oh, what, you want to use the satellite to blow up the temple? Let's do a vote. And I did this like little online poll. And the funny thing about the online polls is I'll do these questions and then the numbers just keep jumping because people just like clicking things. So they just keep voting and unvoting and voting and unvoting. And, and it was funny, but I could, I could tell that one of the players is like, you know, this is all fun and games, but I don't want to do it. And we're like, pause for a minute. We're not going to do it. Right. So that worked really well. That, that was handled before there was any kind of problem. And so we decided they're not going to use the tungsten rods to blow up cities, or they're not going to use it to blow up places where there are, you know, quote unquote, innocent people. Right. So that is a, so, so that's good, but that means they need something else. Cause like, how do you live there? means they need an army because you can't just, if you can't just blow it up with tungsten rods, they also only have so many of them. They only have like 28 of them left. Right. So they can't just keep using them cause they'll be out. So they, they need an army. Right. And that army they think is possible that they could get from radius. So they have traveled to the city of Bellarod. For this, I am using two different Numenera source books. Those two source books are the Jade, the Jade Colossus written by both of them written by Bruce Cordell. The Jade Colossus Ruins of Prior Worlds, which is where I've said it. Ballarat is the city that they're going to. The Jade Colossus is the giant construct where they're they're gonna go inside. But I'm stealing story elements from a campaign adventure called Slaves of the Machine God, also written by Bruce Cordell. And and the Slaves of the Machine God is definitely is an adventure where, and spoilers for this, turns out there's a giant army of cybernetic people and the characters get involved in trying to make sure that this army doesn't get free and like wipe everybody on the planet. So I'm stealing ideas from there. I'm stealing some characters. I'm stealing some ideas, but I'm moving most of it to the Jade Colossus. And instead of running a big campaign, this is a big, it's actually two different campaigns interwoven. And instead of running it as two big campaigns interwoven, I am just stealing a couple ideas, but I'm throwing it in Jade Colossus so we can do it in like a session or two. So that is the plan. I yesterday I was thinking about this campaign and I was, I was thinking particularly about this this arc of the campaign and like I don't know what to do and like I don't know if I'm gonna have enough time on the show to like do that set this all up because there's kind of a lot of things I want to do and there's some troubling trouble troubly tricky bits that I need to figure out so I did a little bit of brain work right I didn't write anything down but I thought about some things I, I looked some things up and I thought about some things and 
by looking them up and thinking about them today, I feel like I, I have a good idea of where I want to take things so that we're not spending a lot of time on today's show ruminating about like, oh, what if, what if this and what if that? I'll talk about what the ruminations were like, but I've already come to a conclusion about where we want to go. As always, we are using, not as always, but as we often do, we are using Notion to do my campaign planning. If you want to learn more about how to use Notion, the, the online tool Notion, to do your campaign planning, you can find a link in the show notes below. I like Notion a lot. Obsidian is another tool that you can use and it's really good too. I like it. I, I like it and I would use it if I wasn't already wired in a notion. So we are going to generate a new session planning template. Today is 17 July, Sunday Numenera. Our characters today include Baiko. Baiko is an intuitive jack who rides the lightning. I think I had said last time that I was going to have an opportunity to, for Baiko to kind of talk more about how he feels about what's going on and where things are going. And then I didn't do it. I just, the situation didn't come up. I think, I think Pat, Baiko's player, was not there. So I, I couldn't because he wasn't there. Cecilia. Cecilia is a hideous jack who wields a power with precision. The interesting thing about Cecilia, Cecilia is sort of like a, a, bee, a bee person. There's probably a more scientific name for it than being a bee person. But she's like a bee person. But her race only lives to be about 42 years old. And what she found out is that that limit on her race's lifespan was actually put in place by the fourth emperor back 600 million years ago when the fourth emperor was ruling over all life. And she found an, a cipher that is actually able to turn your skin into a crystalline structure. She did it to herself. And now she is essentially immortal right? She can live forever. She will not die at 42. She may not die ever. Physical damage is possible could destroy it, but it's also possible that you would just live forever. So she wanted to kind of help her people with this. So she brought it to a bunch of the hackers and a bunch of the scientists that they have in the data sphere and said, can you help me with this? And what they discovered is, yes, we can. And in fact, we can send this. It turns out your people have a subconscious connection to the data sphere and we could send this code over through the data sphere and connect it to them and they would all become like you. But doing so means they can no longer reproduce. All the ones that exist now are the only ones that ever will exist, but they could potentially exist forever. So that brought up interesting questions. So Cecilia said, well, I don't want to do that yet, but that's really interesting. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I'm going to have to think about this. So that was kind of a cool arc. Jad the Shade is a meddlesome jack who exists partially out of phase. Jad is was able to kind of pick up on the idea that the that Samji and... Uh, the other the other machines that are known as the, the the sort of soldiers of the glistening army are able to jump in and out of the data sphere at will. They do not need normally in order to go into the data sphere. You need a Virtus. You need some kind of heavy, big construct that is able to sort of disintegrate you on the spot and reintegrate you back in the data sphere and vice versa. It takes a lot of power. It takes a lot of technology. There's only so many of these Virtus these vertices throughout the world. But it turns out that Samji can do it on his own and, and, and also can't soak in his brother and so can the rest of the glistening army, which makes the glistening army really powerful because they can shift in and out of the data sphere at will. So that's really, that's really cool. We have, and so Jad was the one able to figure that out. Juniper is a cheerful nano who possesses a shard of the sun. Her mother, Cassandra, has been helping the characters a lot. Her mother is like the, the, the main scientist working out of the hive, which is their data sphere science place that they have. One interesting thing about this game that has worked really, really well is the size and the scope of what the characters have been able to do. They have a home base. And not only do they have a home base, but it's filled with NPCs who are working on their behalf. Right? They have this whole group. They're out kind of doing quests and stuff like that. But behind them is this entire facility called the Hive. That's a data sphere facility. So it's not even in the physical world. And they have like these groups called the quad cores, which are like joint personalities. They're not quite super, they're not quite artificial intelligences. They're, they're combined 
intellects of multiple people into one being that are able to focus a lot of their energy and attention on a problem. And they help them crack a herald, for example. They have Rabbit, who's their kind of communication specialist. They have Cassandra, who is their like, chief scientist. They have all kinds of other things. Really fun. And so we have Nakia, a beneficent Jack who acts without consequences. His mother is a, his mother is an Aeon priest who operates out of Badrav and they haven't had contact with her in some time. And I don't know what will happen when they reconnect. And of course, Samji, a protect, a protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel. He's a cybernetic being. He has a brother who's also a cybernetic being. And it's really his arc that we're doing today. And lucky us, Samji is actually here today because he wasn't there last time. He was not at the game and I actually had his character just phase out. So one question is, how does what happened to Samji when the hive had him phase out of existence? What did the hive tell him? What did he learn? That's kind of a question we might want to answer. But those are the characters in today's game. One funny scene that I wanted to share because it was such a great scene. One of the things that I really enjoyed with Juniper was there's another character named Kikuchio who's sort of like a data sphere hunter slash motorcycle enthusiast, right? Here's, here's, there's, there's the picture of Kikuchio. And I thought it would be funny. He's kind of this, you know, he's sort of like, a, you know, James Dean, you know, sort of motorcycle guy, right? And he rides around on a motorcycle. I don't I have this cybernetic horse, but he rides around in a big cybernetic motorcycle. So we're going to delete that. And I thought it would be very funny if it turned out that Cassandra, Juniper's mother, was dating Cucuccio. And I thought I was going to have this really fun scene where Cassandra said, you know, Juniper, can we can we talk private and and kind of... You know, and so I had, so I had the scene, right? And so they, but they had this big, important conversations about life ending stuff and the satellites and all these things that they needed to do and big things that are going on. And we need this army. We need the glistening army and all this stuff. And then she said, you know, Juniper, can we, can we, can we talk alone for a minute? And she's like, yeah, mom, sure. What's up? And she said, I just, I, I wanted to talk to you about something. And it's, it's something I'm nervous about. And I, I just wanted us to have a conversation. And I think it's really, you know, we've just reestablished our relationship together. We've been away from each other for so long and we just, and I just wanted honesty to be, and he's like, are you dating Kikuchio? And she's like, who, who told you? Right. And she's like, rabbit, did you tell him? She's like, I didn't say anything. And she's like, and, and Juliet, who is playing Juniper is like, was that really it? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you're not just making it up. And I'm like, no, here it is in my notes. She goes, oh my God, I just guessed. And so there's this hysterical moment where, where she guessed that her mom was dating. She's like, it was that time when you were riding on the back of his motorcycle and i just thought like i bet you something's there she's no i think it's great and kukushi was like yeah and and she's like should i start calling him dad and cassandra says no and kukushi was like yeah and so very funny really really funny scene really enjoyable uh, the players loved it because they just you know the fact that she guessed it was so outstanding and I really had a good time with that. So it was a nice bit of levity into a game that has a lot of serious stuff. There's lots of fun things that happen in this campaign, but that was a, a really, a, a really fun, a fun moment. And it was particularly fun that, that Juliet guessed it, you know, guessed it before it, before it actually happened. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. So the characters made their way to Balarod. The Balarod is sort of like operating like a normal town, although there's like, in, there's like skirmishes going on between between the the sort of resistance groups of Balarod and the Orgolians. In fact, that's probably a secret and clue we want to drop in here, which is Radius leads resistance groups against Golian invaders. And so far, they've been successful. Another one is that the the eye of Faradon tried to drop a tungsten rod on the Jade Colossus, but the Colossus destroyed it on the way in. 
This is tech well beyond anything anyone's seen in millions of years. All right, like destroying of tungsten rod that's coming at you at near, at like, you know, 30 times the speed of sound. That's really hard to do. And it did it. So that's cool. So the characters made their way to Balarad. They're walking around and then they got attacked. And they got attacked by these crazy assassins. I think I, I wrote their name, I, I hope, because their names are really hard to remember. No, I didn't. There are these like otherworldly assassins. The monsters are called Rorathix, and they are in the Bestiary 1, page 109. Another tip to grow on. If you are running a game and you do not have an online encyclopedia like a D&D Beyond or something like that, in your notes, in your prep notes, and character players can do this in their character sheets too, put down the book and the page number next to any, everything. Like every everything, and that way it's, you're building an index as you go. Really, really handy. Page 109. These guys, level six, so they're pretty tough, right? Level six is pretty tough. Level six means that you would need to get, if you didn't have any modifier, you'd have to roll an 18 or better to hit it or defend against it. So they are, they are pretty tough creatures. Ninth world abhumans, but they, I'm going to have that they are actually from the world of the fourth emperor. They are organic entities who have come from the fourth empire and they are able to phase in and out in the same way that 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 jad is able to that jad is able to phase out so we have roar attack and we said b1 page 109 always put the reference down really handy roarthix attack so some interesting stuff about roarthix like jad can phase in and of the world. The Rorathix are native to the world of the four of the universe of the fourth emperor. All right? That's cool. Those are a couple of things. So they're gonna get attacked. I think as part of this attack, Samji phases real casts back into the world. His normal self. So a question, an outstanding question that I have is what, what did the hex do with him when it took him over? What did it want? So we know what the hex wants. Oh, so what the hell's the hex? The hex is a sentient virus that is, it's, it's a virus both in the biological and the digital sense. It has infected one of the characters, Samji. He plugged in a he plugged in a, 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 a USB stick that had the hex on it, and now it's in him. And it's also the hex is also in the sphere that's controlling the satellite. So it really has. And, and what it wants is it wants to take over the universe of the Fourth Empire, right? It it wants that world. It doesn't want this one. So, but it it I, I did it just because it made sense because the player wasn't there. But I'd love to have like a story reason why the hex connected why the hex drew samji out connected up the stuff in samji's head so that he could real cast and data cast in and out but with what intent right and part of it could be i don't know if i want to take the agency away from a character like this but it did take control of him because the player wasn't there one thought is that the hex also wants the glistening army right that the the hex the Hex wants him, when they find the Glistening Army, the Hex wants him to infect the rest of them so that the whole Glistening Army is, is inf infected with Hex, which may be, right? And, and maybe there's like a strong, 
you know, maybe there's like a, a an opportunity where like a strong check, like it's a level six that check and he would have to defend against this to stop himself from connecting the hex up into the glistening army. Maybe. Right. I think, I think that's probably the secret that the hex wants to invade the glistening army. Right. The Glistening Army, by the way, are the thousands, I think it's like 10,000 versions of Samji and Radius that exist out there. So Radius and Samji have another brother, or had another brother, had another brother named Oblique. Oblique knew about the Glistening Army and thought he could awaken them down in the amber the the jade colossus ray obliques research led him to believe there was some or that the army resided in the jade colossus past the howling caves i think i stole the howling caves directly from Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, but I'm doing it. Oblique went into the Howling Caves and never came back. Radius wanted to go in after him, but defending Balarod from the Orgolians took precedence. I don't know how to spell precedence. The Glistening Army. So this is some, I, 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 I think... Let's see, if we go into Slaves of the Machine Gods, I think it's in the intro to Slaves of the Machine Gods. Orstenia was built by a Aeon priest named Orstenia Maul, who wanted to use the army to take down the Amber Papacy after being cast out. This all happened about a few hundred years ago, I think, right? A century ago. She specifically wanted to overthrow Acumen II. She specifically wanted to overthrow Acumen II. She was poisoned and died before ever using, before ever awakening the Glistening Army. And we have, whoops, I went to the wrong side. There is another, let's see, more recently, Cizan origin was actually, Oblique is actually origin. I don't know. Maybe we'll go with Origin. It's kind of cool. So a Delver named Cezanne, a Jade Colossus Delver named Cezanne, discovered the Glistening Army in the depths of the Colossus, but was killed before revealing its location or releasing it. So that's good. Uh, so we like I like Origin better than I like Oblique, so I'm going to change. Did I write Oblique anywhere? I did. Origin sounds cool. Sometimes words just sound cool. E. Oh, it was Cezanne who released Origin, Radius, and Samji, whose birth name, awakened name, was what? What is a cool root chord? whose original name was Cord. Release Origin Radius Axis 
and Samji. Axis disappeared. You're searching for the glistening army. The Howling Caves are known as a particularly hostile section of the Jade Colossus, filled with horrors from which few, if any, ever return. Lots of secrets today, boy. Oh, woohoo! In truth, Axis lives and hunts those who hunt for the glistening army. He has learned the truth of the army's or purpose. Am I going off screen? He has learned the truth of the army's purpose and believes no one, no one should have access to it. So that'll be kind of a fun, I think a fun, a fun truth. So I'm piled up with secrets. So I got a strong start because they're going to get attacked on the street by a bunch of Rorithics. And that's, that's cool. It would be kind of fun to have a location here. We're going to use my science fantasy generator. This is available to patrons of Sly Flourish. If you are a patron of Sly Flourish, you can find this in Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets Volume 2. I have two different generators. They're very similar to the generators you can find in Lazy DM's Companion that are designed kind of for science fantasy RPGs like Numenera. One is the science fantasy generator and the other one is a data sphere generator, a, cyber, a cyberspace generator. But we don't need the cyberspace generator. Instead, we are, we are going to use this science fantasy generator because I think it would be cool in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the city street where they are fighting the Rorithics, what would be like an interesting object that maybe they could use, maybe they can get involved, but certainly can act as a backdrop, right? What, what's behind the scene? when they're getting attacked. So we are gonna do a monument. We rolled a three, an archway, and then a condition, description, and origin, 26 and four. It is a gravity-defying, swarming, aquatic. Ooh, yeah, I like it. Gravity-defying, swarming, aquatic, archway. Yeah, I dig it. So it's, it's sort of floating above. Imagine, if you will, an arch. It's probably fully like it's like an oval, right? Because it's, it's it doesn't have a base. It doesn't have a plinth. And in it, they, you can see like the, the depths of the ocean. And maybe here in Balarod, there is another gateway that could take them to, to the depths, right? To the area below. I think that would be really fun. And a cool bit would be they get to run into their old friends who show up here too. It would be just like a quinky dink. Right, and that is Navro and Burham. So Navro and Burham are two adorable NPCs, old dude and his fish companion, his giant carp. And I think that they they hang around, and they've met them a couple times before. But I like the idea that Navro and Burham will be there. So one of the cool things is that maybe this gravity-defying swarming aquatic archway often supplies food, seafood. People fish in it, right? They, they take a pill so they don't get the bends. They go swim. They like spearfish big fish and they come out and they have a big fish. So I think that would be it. That, that is a cool backdrop for this, for this particular situation. I dig that. So yeah, that's our strength. So the first fight with Roar, meet uh, Radius, meet Navro and Burham because they come swimming out of the thing. And then probably travel into the Howling Caves, face Axis, 
unlock the glistening army delve into that delve is such a great word right that's sort of the big arc for this whole adventure i think there's lots of different things that can happen there but i think that that's pretty that's pretty solid but now we need the howling caves right so we're going to create a new sub page new page put that in the nemonera campaign database so we have a page for it call it type location it's how you make like a card in Notion. It's really cool. And that way I have like a Howling Caves card. And for this location that they're going to explore, I, I, I was trying to think like how big a place do I want this to be? And the answer is not particularly big. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I want to move the story along. So I don't want like, could I set up like a giant two-story dungeon that they could explore with all kinds of weird things? Sure. But really, I just want them to, you know, recognize that like Jade Colossus is a really big place. Uh, but also uh, not. So I always go to, when I need a map, I go to Dyson's Dodecahedron, uh, DysonLogos.com, that's blog. You can find a link in the show notes below. He has over a thousand maps that you can grab for all kinds of things. And I yesterday I went through and I was like, I want a cool map. And I found two. I like this one a little bit better because it's more like in the open sort of. And it has multiple entrances. So I think I'm going to grab this map. I'll just grab the URL and put it, oops. And we're gonna embed the image. So I have the map in there. So there's our map. And now we kind of want to fill it up. So, so the general idea of this place is it's sort of deep inside the Jade Colossus. And I'm probably going to like, you know, this entryway here is actually like miles long, right? It's abstract that they crawl through following this map, these old maps from that Axis has, not Axis, that the other Axe dude, Radius has. And it kind of leads them into this, you know, maybe there's like this large, central, weird, slimy courtyard area. And they have a couple different paths they can go. There's like this locked door, but there's also these natural caves. I don't know if that's really enough of a difference to matter. And the idea is when they get into this section, when they can get into this central chamber here on the, in, the, in the center, the one with the stairs in it, that it actually, what they find out is that the glistening army isn't physical, that the glist, there's a pyramid, there's a floating one foot sized pyramid that is itself a data sphere vertus. And when they data sphere, when they data cast in, they find a huge chamber with 10,000 inanimate versions of the uh, glistening army, like uh, of, of Sam G and Radius and Oblique and Axis. And in there, they can, be, the, the four of them can control the others. They can, they can awaken these others and they can either give them sentience and let them manage themselves or they can command them as an army. And that would be a good question for the thing. But to get into the, the chamber, these doors are locked and it actually requires multiple keys, three keys, right? Three or five keys to get in. And those keys are, in fact, Radius and Samji and Axis and Origin. They need at least three, and there are four, right? So that way, if like one goes missing or something like that, they still have a way to do it. And, and, and Axis has been like, I've been killing the other ones to make sure that nobody can get in there, right? I think, I think that that would be a cool... I think that that'd be a cool approach. So in other words, they can explore a lot of this place, which has a lot of neat places to explore, right? And then I can decide at what point do they meet Axis 
and then Axis tries to kill them or or they have to convince Axis to, to let them go. And then all of them together can go into that central chamber. So that way we can make this dungeon kind of as big, yeah, I call it a dungeon, right? Sort of as big, as big or as small as we want. But then it's like, okay, well, what what was this place? So I think this was the, this section, which was kind of connected to the Howling Caves, is the, the laboratory of, it is probably a, a nano laboratory and maybe a, a laboratory of an Aeon priest of, oops, of Orstenia Mall, right? We'll probably make a card. Whoops. Let's make a card for Orstenia Mall. Because I think her, her, her story is going to be big enough. So even though she's dead, kind of, she probably has copies of herself around. Everybody's got copies of themselves around. And why don't we look in the J, let's look in the Slaves and Machine Gods and see if we find a cool picture of an NPC we can use for her. That's Radius. Nah, it doesn't work. She's not like a big gunslinger type. That's not bad. That that actually, that, that looks like the Amber Papacy, right? Of the time. That is Origin. We'll save that to the desktop in case I need a thing for him. But I think Origin has been destroyed and is now just a head. And I think Axis carries his head around. That's Axis. He's, he's, he kicks ass, right? That's very cool. That, there we go. That is Orstenia Mall. Former, let's see, she was a former Aeon priest who built the glistening army to unseat the Amber Pope. And what was his name? Acumen II. Whoops. So this is sort of her laboratory, right? Whoops. What the hell is her name? I already forgot it. I'll call it Arstenium all now. I know it's not that. The art I am, I just pulled that art from, I just did screenshots right out of Slaves of the Machine God, the Numenera, the Numenera book, Slaves of the Machine God. You know, I just, I just do a big screen capture, grab it, and throw it right into the adventure. So that way I've got, that way I've got some nice art I can show the players. So I need to fill this place out, right? And we need really two things, locations and monsters, right? So let's see how fast we can whip up some interesting locations. And we have, I'll bring it up, the cyberspace. Oh, we don't need the cyberspace generator because this isn't cyberspace. We've got it now if we need it. Also available in, but we can, we can roll up some monuments for some of these locations. So we will, I need a fourth, where's my other D20? Four D20, right? Monument condition origin description our monument is a trans let's see yeah we'll start with a transparent moss covered i love it already mate okay megalith hmm. what did i say was a transparent i already i already forgot the, the other one what was its oh moss covered so that's cool let's get another i really ought to build a rapid generator. i probably have one and i don't i forgot we have another one is a glowing 17 smoking 19 primate i already have a primate thing and 16 i guess it's another primate thing another a primate monument so i say glowing smoking primate monument so it could be like a an effigy right like a, a, a cybernetic effigy and maybe parts of it are obli our origin that'd be sad that's cool. 16, nano-laced, 18, burning, 2, cybernetic, 15, launch pad. I'm going to move one up and go furnace. 
nano-laced burning cybernetic furnace. Because that fits better with like where she forged the, where she forged some of these guys, right? I think that's, that'd be cool. Let's do another. 17, a glyphed, 13, encapsulated, 15, AI-based, 16. I already have monument. Bones. Hmm, old bones. Glyphed, what did I say? I got to write these down faster. Glyphed, old bones. But what was the condition? What did I roll? A 13? Encapsulated. What does that mean? It could be in, a, in like a big canister, right? That's cool. All right. So that's four. Let's do a fifth. 15, 2, 20, and 13. 15, cracked, 2, ancient, 20, superhuman, 13, status, stasis chamber. She's still alive. What was it again? Cracked, 2, ancient, 20, superhuman, cracked, which I think it holds, holds her, right? I think that Orstenia is still alive, but it's probably broken. So maybe she's not well, right? She's kind of falling apart. That could be cool. So we've got five locations. There's a lot more room. That's, that's probably enough to fill the areas that they travel, right? So here's a trick. Like, I don't have time. All right, I have eight minutes left before I have to be ready for my game. I don't have time to add something into every one of these rooms. So what I do is I roll up five, right? And I, I set those five aside. And I have a map, and the map is really cool, but I don't know where they're going to go, which means... I can then drop whichever one of these I want at any time while they're doing the exploration. I, I can move these locations. I can move these descriptions around to these various locations and decide which ones I want them to find in which place. It's a cool trick. I've, I've done this before. It's, it's, it's sort of like almost like a five room dungeon idea. Not, not quite. I mean, it's five, but it's, the, it's not using the arcs that that five room dungeon does. But then I need some monsters, right? So we're going to spend a little bit of time on monsters and we're going to, we'll pick just one of the monster books. We're going to pick the Numenera, the world bestiary two, and we're going to flip through. And I'd like to find, f well, maybe five or six monsters that I think would be cool things. Like this is a nice, good alien ruin, right? A nice, good, like old ruin. So anything could be in here. Uh, the Abcos butcher. I already like it. You know, this is good. So we're going to grab, we're going to grab this thing, right? And it's B2, page 20. I dig it. He looks cool. Good art. You know, a 30, not even a 30 second skim read says like ghost that hungers for Numenera. I'm pretty tough. Six eighteens. Horrific cloud of writhing, undulating tongues. Ah, that's too gross. I don't like it. A fallen star. Nah. Big slime dude. Silvery translucent mental projections. This would be a good, like the primeval thing that rules over here. The artifacts, right? I could, I could, I could work with that. That is page twenty-three, like Jabba the Hut, right? This could be the primeval thing, and like could be the, the things that kind of worship this guy. He's got eyes in his belly. Astomatus banister. Horror. I like this, page 26. That's cool. Cool art. 
Perplexing creatures originated far from the ninth world. They show up a given area of flora and fauna, attempt to collect representative samples. Ooh, I like this. Bithrian. Page 27. Like, I haven't even gotten out of the bees yet, and I got four monsters I can use. And that's fine. Black tusks. Boring. Bendrills. Boring. What are they? They're like little, little furry creatures. It'd be kind of fun if these guys worshipped the big slime lord. Like they're the primevals, right? I can do. I could. I could work with that. Page twenty-nine. Carnivorous color. Some of these things we've already faced. It's interesting that I've been playing enough Numenera now that I've actually used a lot of these creatures, which is pretty cool. I did that guy before. I've done that guy before. I've done that guy before. I don't know what the hell that thing is. Dread Riders. I've used them before. I put them in my an effigy. Yeah. I thought that said flan. I was like, oh my god, a flan. That's uh, the Eldmore is the uh, that's what the ninth emperor that uh, that's what the fourth emperor is. It's one of these guys. Only I'm gonna make it level ten, the highest level there is. Ooh, look at this guy. That's kind of scary. A flaw. Flaws could be the, they, they could also be effigies. Maybe we'll drop a flaw in here. I kind of like it. Page 55. So I've got some creatures now. That's cool. Ciphers and stuff I can always roll as I go. So I don't need anything there. I'm going to, for funsies, I'm going to make this a numbered list and then I can roll on it. Right, now I got a D6. I can say, which one do you face? You face a... The artifacts, although I'll probably put some of those guys in, in different chambers. So I've got some locations. Let's do one more location for fun. We got, we got one minute to go. Let's do one more location. 20, gravity defying. I already had one of those. 17, smoking. 18, reptilian. And 12, constructor. Gravity defying, smoking, reptilian, constructor. It's like a 3D printer for people, for lizard people. That's cool. Yep, I'm good with that. So I've got, so that is, that is the Howling Caves. That's the, the laboratory. The Howling Caves in the laboratory of Rostenia Mall, right, is my location. And I think some monsters, right? I don't need monsters because, uh, let's see, we need, for NPCs, we need, oh, I want to make it one for Axis, right? Whoops. I didn't want to do that. New subpage in Numenera database. And we have an NPC. And upload an image. There is Axis. That's cool. And we also had Origin, right? New subpage in Numenera database. Bang. NPC. There we go. And we have Radius. Cool. Treasure, we're going to roll. Monsters we have in the location in the Howling Cave, so we need to do that. So we are all set. We got some good notes. So I feel good about what I've got. I'm excited for the where the adventure is going to go. I'm looking forward to running it. So I think we're all good. I always think it's worthwhile. Once you've done your prep, it's worth it. Just how do I feel? Because this is what it's about. Prepping a game is about feeling. It's about how you feel about it. It's about building the confidence and feeling like you got what you need in order to run the game. Do you have what you need to run the game? Hopefully. Will you? You know, but a lot of times the game goes in directions you didn't expect. So are you prepared to roll with that, with those changes, right? Are you getting comfortable with that? And do you have, is the stuff you prepped, does the stuff you prepped help you to roll with the direction the story goes at the table? 
not guy, not driving the story at the table, but rolling with what happens. And, and examples of that are, I don't know where these secrets and clues are going to show up. I have no idea. I just got a bunch of information. They're going to learn it, probably talking to NPCs, but maybe other places. I really don't know. The other one is Howling Caves. You saw, like, here's an example of inspiration. Are these monsters tied to any chamber? No. Are these locations tied to any of these particular chambers? No, right? I don't have time. I don't have time to fill all this out. I'm busy. I got things to do. I got the talk show to do in like three minutes. How do you feel helps? And building your notes to help you fuel, to help fuel your inspiration during the game is, is really, I think, very important. That's, that's, that's what, I, what, I, what I do here. To me, that's the, the, the lazy dungeon master's approach is that style. So we're good. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today. I always appreciate you spending the time with me while I prepare my game. If you enjoyed this show, you can help me out in a few different ways. You can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter and get weekly Sly Flourish articles sent right to your inbox along with a free RPG adventure generator PDF. You can support me on Patreon. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material, previews of videos the two different guides that i showed here are all on the patreon as well as tons of other material that you can get by being a patron of sly flourish three you can pick up any of my books the sly flourish bookstore is linked in the show notes below you can pick up the return of the lazy dungeon master where i offer more tips about how to run your game the lazy dm's companion is available there in pdf as well so that's in the store below and you can subscribe to my youtube channel and like my video to help other people find this show so thank you all very much for hanging out with me today have a great day and get out there and play a role-playing game